0: you're listening to an mpavilion podcast conversations about design and the world we live in for more visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts
1: Everyone, welcome to our session, Generation Rent. Um, before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the people of the Eastern Kulin Nations as the traditional custodians of the land in which we may meet. We pay our respects to elders, past and present, and um, acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Um, thank you so much for attending our event. Um, why? I'm representing Tenants Victoria. My name is Farah Farouk. I'm Director of Community Engagement there. And why are we here in the park talking about renting? Well, it's a very... You know, in the middle of a rental crisis, it seems like a very pertinent thing to talk about. Um, You know, um, something that actually goes to the very grain of our society and our community. And I'm so happy to have with me here Jim Malo, Um, from the um, age, um, uh, a very experienced property reporter who's joining us today. Um, to offer some insights from inside the tent, so to speak. But also, this is not just about us here on Inside the Tent. You know, I'm working for a tenants organisation. Uh, Jim is a, is a journalist having access to people with power, et cetera. We want to hear from renters, hear their insights about what it is like to be renting in the early 21st century, um, not just amid a rental crisis, but, but just, you know the kind of the some of the cultural issues from say the baby boomer generation of old where the aspiration was the quarter acre block. The quarter acre block seems a long way away. Jim, um as a renter, I think you mentioned you'd you've lived in thirteen properties in the last ten years. You're under thirty. In a sense, you're squarely in generation rent. Um can you um can you share You know, when I we invited you to participate in this um, in this session, what what made you say a compelling yes? Uh,
2: I think it's important to. have people who are renters talking about issues that are, you know, pertain to renting because I think you'll find that a lot of um, the people who make the decisions and a a lot of the decisions tend to be made by people who um, either don't rent or are landlords. So it makes a, it's a very sort of difficult situation to find yourself in as a renter with no uh, institutional power, very little bargaining power, especially in the middle of a renting crisis, um, you know, much less bargaining power now. Um, And I think it makes a, a big difference to be writing about it or to be speaking about it or to be participating in the system when, uh, you know, you you have that sort of, uh, that skin in the game, I guess. That's
1: right. So, before we turn to the audience, um, what has been your experience on a personal level as a renter? I mean, you know, you're not just writing about renting, you're living it um, yep. as a young person. Yep. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously a kind of a, um, you know... From say even in the twi- late 20th century, uh, with the absolute um, competition for supply, um, yep. not to mention affordability, um, renting is, is is not necessarily the easy transition um, into that people once thought, like like an escalator, moving on to your your home mortgage or whatever. Yep. Um, it, it is actually um, a, a battle
2: yeah yeah many I would say so, and I think it's um very rife with exploitation as well. Um, one of my first experiences with renting was uh, renting a just a small apartment and then a townhouse through the same agency in Brisbane um, and I was uh, I would say exploited in a way by the agency because it was um uh, an agency I, I probably can I name it? am I allowed to say that <laughs>
1: Um, well, well, I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want, Jim. Okay. I'm not here All to right. censor you. So um, so <laughs> this is a free, free discussion. <laughs> I'm not sure
2: they're as big in um, Victoria as they are in Queensland, so I feel a little bit more safe. But it's a tenant, uh, a, an agency called Remax, and they had this um sort of uh, this, uh, rent rental card that they put you on. Uh, it was a, one card per property and it was sort of like a, an account that they would create for you and then charge you for the uh, for, for holding this account and um, that was how they said you have to pay rent. So it's illegal to force people onto a, a user pays rent uh, sort of pay option in Queensland. Um, so they have to offer you two other like alternative uh, ways of paying rents, right? Um, and, and, and
1: can I add that here in Victoria uh, you also have to have a free method to pay yes, rent. Yep. Yes,
2: yep. Uh, but the free methods they pay uh, they offer they didn't offer a bank transfer you had to go to the office and pay or you had to you know do a money order right so they effectively forced you onto this card and then they would charge you this fee for you know so long and it was only a couple of dollars um but the cards don't get cancelled unless you go out of your way to cancel them and i was you know 18 years old i wasn't particularly experienced so i found you know four years later that i've been being charged two dollars every you know every quarter for a while to um you know to to uh, to have this account open that I wasn't using um, and that I had no choice but to to go on to and um, you know that was the, my first taste of sort of like the power imbalance balance of uh, being a renter um, so I moved out of those places and I moved um, up to uh, you know uh, Harvey Bay which uh, for a job as a journalist um, and then there I was in a pretty nice situation I had like a, a, a furnished apartment that was um, paid like the, all the bills were paid for by the landlord but then I um, was uh, they complained to me that the electricity bill was too high and then they evicted me that uh, same month so you know things like that have sort of dogged my relationship uh, my experience as a renter you know from there I was effectively in share houses until um maybe last year so it's um it's been a very very uh, interesting that's right and life. there's
1: been a paper that's been recently come out that shows that um many more young people are moving into sharehouses as a um you know and of course a share house is a is a, is a right of passage but um, and you know people have always utilized share houses but increasingly um people are forced into um, shared living arrangements that they don't wish to have. Um, That's not the lifestyle they want. They want their own independent property um, because of the costs and affordability issues. Um, And, in fact, we're seeing that it's not just people under 35, it's an older group of people who are are having to move into share houses. People over 50 we've seen at Tenants Victoria have moved into share houses as well. So that's, um, you know... There's a certain communality about sharehouses. I'm not against sharehouses, yeah. of course, and yep. no one in Tenants Victoria, but you it's know, a it, it's a good choice. way to live if you wish to live that yeah. way.
2: But it's That's an economic true. choice that many people are forced into making because, I mean, we are in a situation where rents are, you know, extraordinarily high. There's nowhere near enough, um, you know, new rentals coming into the rental market to actually keep the the, the uh, prices low. There's um, there's not enough to go around. Even if you want to find a rental, you can't. Um, and so many people are being forced into these situations when they, they have effectively have no choice but to to do so because you need a place to live and um, if it's between being in a share house and being homeless, I think most people would choose a share house.
1: That's right. And so I think it's really pertinent in this discussion um, to talk about um, close to 90% of us live... Um, in homes that are acquired in the private rental market. So we hear a lot about, you know, increasing in social housing. And, of course, Tenants Victoria are a huge supporter of the expansion of social housing. And and we're pleased to see movement in that direction as well um, with the announcement of a big housing build. But that's not going to, as the pre as we heard in the previous session, meet the huge need um, that's there. So, you know, social housing is public housing and community housing, which is owned by, um, you know, not-for-profits and, you know, there's still a landlord um, that's there and we need more regulation of that sector as well, of course. Um, So, look... I hate to say it, but it's, it's you know, we're in, a, we're in a crisis. People have questioned, is this a crisis? But it really, it is. We've got a cost of living crisis and we have a housing affordability crisis and a crisis of supply. So before unpacking all that, I'm going, this is an open mic, and I think it's really important that renters oh, have their say. So I'm going to um, invite Kelly Chan, to who, who, who is known to us, but uh, to, to open our discussions uh, because Kelly was someone who um, uh, is a renter in Melbourne um, who came to us in a, in a, in a, in a, in, during the pandemic at Tenants Victoria. And I think some of the issues you faced, Kelly, are issues that I think that might get the discussion started. So may I first ask you, what has your experience been like um, as a renter in Melbourne, what, what are the highs and lows of being a renter in Melbourne? <laughs> um, thank you for
3: having me. I'm Kelly Chan and uh, yes, I am an overseas student from Hong Kong originally. And there are a lot of highs and lows and it was very, very low at some point. Maybe I will start with the low <laughs> first. And let's, um, so I have been here in Melbourne for four years now. And the whole time I have been a renter and I'm still um, a renter. So that was uh, before COVID and the whole time I was in a shared house. That was the only way I could afford to live. And then I held a stipend scholarship as a PhD student. Um, and then after a year, I met my former partner and then I started thinking of moving out from the share house situation and I was applying as a single person overseas student to several apartments but I wasn't successful um I d- I didn't know much of the reason um but that was pre-covid and about when we were yeah when we were about to go into lockdown I really thought I really needed a space and so upon a a friend's recommendation I looked at Gumtree turns out I I, I don't think it is a good idea, <laughs> and I went into an agreement, an agreement with a uh, pri- uh, rental provider privately, directly, dealing with them, and so I signed a one-year lease, and that was March 2020, exactly the time when we uh, was hit by COVID, and then uh, six months later, I lost my casual research assistant job, so basically my income halved. And at that point, I was paying rent on my own. I really had to move out. So, But before I did a- anything, before I wrote to the uh, rental provider, I was clever and careful enough to seek advice from Study Melbourne because the whole system is so new to me. And upon there. Uh, suggestion and advice, they said there was a new COVID-related emergency change in the law, which was very helpful for renters like me, who was suffering from financial hardships to so-called break the lease. And that's what I did. I gave the landlord 14 days notice, um, and then I vacated the place. Um, but then uh, since then, they refused to give me back my bond, which was... Two thousand two hundred dollars to me—that was a lot—and uh, so they refused to give it back to me. Not only that, uh, I had to move, and then, uh, and upon uh, further advice from a uni lawyer, I had to seek VCAT. Like I have to apply to VCAT uh, upon, like during lockdown, during COVID. When I'm away from home and family, I had to apply to VCAT. That is like on top of my PhD study. And I did. But knowing that I applied to VCAT, the landlord herself, a lawyer, then pursue a counterclaim, which then amounts to, I have the number exactly, 5,465. So she said that I owe her not only the rent when the place was vacant, but also advertising costs and on top of many things, like uh, it's like a penalty to me. And that is for sure money that I didn't have. And on top of that, that further delayed my claim for my bond. And so that was February, 2021. And my case was not, I didn't even have a hearing date for the longest time. And that was then I had to uh, come to Tenants Victoria. That was January 2021. And then very quickly, they really helped me out. They assigned me a lawyer. They looked into my case and they just helped me out preparing the evidence. I had, <laughs> I had never had the experience of preparing evidence for a hearing like that in my life. and. That was very, very helpful at a very difficult time, I have to say. And so then after the lawyers help, my hearing was assigned to eight months later. So that was uh, September, 2021. Not
1: really torturous sort of proceedings, w- <laughs> yep. weren't they? Yes. It was, yeah, yeah. it was one whole year
3: of this waiting and uh, hearing and waiting and hearing. And I, th- I don't know whether maybe it's just not me, The story didn't end there. The day before my hearing, uh, Jackie, the lawyer, was very prepared and she helped me a lot and then I was quite prepared. The day before, uh, the VCAT office was a COVID exposure site. So all the cases in that week, again, were postponed. And at that point, I was just like, "Mm, it's fine. I had a lawyer to help, so I was all right. And I think that was another six weeks of waiting. And finally, we got into the hearing. It was a phone call anyway. So I didn't understand why they had to cancel all the hearing in the first place when it is all held on the phone. Um, and I think it was just 10 minutes in the hearing. The member decided, okay, Kelly Chen, you're entitled for your bond and you don't have to pay <laughs> the compensation. Bravo, Kelly. Yeah. Thank you for Tenant Victoria though. I think if without the help from you guys, I just didn't know how to handle that. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Kelly. Can no. I can
2: I ask? Um, I mean, how did that sort of um, the given that the VCAT member dismissed the, um, uh, the 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 claim, the counterclaim by your landlord? Um, I mean, how did it feel that um, in when you were trying to get money that you were entitled to, that they w- they turned around and then tried to use? I, I mean, she's a lawyer as well, so she like knew how to, I guess, in a way, game the system. I mean, how did that, that experience make you feel?
3: It was devastating. It was. Um, because that was also, then I didn't have help from anywhere. Yeah. I was writing to my own uni. I was writing to study Melbourne. And I was also, suffer- like, I'd lost work. I moved out. COVID was new. System was new. Everything was just overwhelming. Um, and then also reading through the landlord's emails was quite traumatising because to prepare to speak I was reading them uh, again and it yep. was like wow people are able to write things did, like did that. Did you feel
2: um, it, like they, she was you know, taking advantage of her position to sort of um, I guess, guess get one over you? Was that sort of the feeling that you, you ended up with or was it like?
3: I think I would say as overseas students we really didn't know yep. much and, yep, and I am not a teenager <laughs> so I really was trying to get help and that is why I really want to come to say something today, which is a lot of younger students, overseas so students away from home and family, they really didn't know where to seek help even. So what you said earlier about the power imbalance is mm. still happening yep. every yep. day. No,
2: and, and it will yeah. be in some ways worse now because there's, there's no COVID protections. There's no, you know, you don't have the ability to walk away from a lease with 14 days and, um, you know, have, you know, like this you know the protections that the, the extra protections that the government gave you the vacancy rate is incredibly tight so if you were in that situation you would need that two thousand dollars you wouldn't be able to wait a year or longer to actually get it you would need that to find a new place to live and it's that's a honestly horrific situation and it, it could be worse today but I mean to go through that over such a long period of time would, would be really draining sorry to hear
1: thank you, Kelly, for sharing those insights. Look, um, I I, I note you praise Tenants Victoria, and I appreciate it, but that's not why I asked you here. Um, Actually, you know, at Tenants Victoria, we're overwhelmed with inquiries from renters. And I I want to make just a stand here and just say that we can only meet 30% of the, um, you know, contacts that people... And approaches people make, so that's we, we we're in a sense we're failing to meet the need because we're not adequately funded. Um, and I think that, in a broader sense, we have to recognise that organisations that support renters, not just tenants, Victoria, a range of organisations, um, that is, um, uh, they are part of the ecosystem protecting people from homelessness, and they need to be better recognised in that ecosystem um, as you know. Absolutely essential services. I think the system is predicated on this idea of um, a more um, a, a different landscape of renting. I, I think that would be right, yeah, wouldn't I, it?
2: Yeah, I would say so. I think it's also predicated on this. Um, like, I I feel like in some ways, um, the the need for funding is very obvious. Um, if you talk to anyone who works in the housing space, be it tenancy rights or even homelessness support services, um, they don't have the money, they don't have the resources, they don't have the manpower to actually meet the need. And it should be very obvious to uh, the people who you know, uh, control the funding that, that the more, more money and more effort is needed to actually combat this problem.
1: I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing a greater recognition in the sense that you know I've mentioned the big housing build, and of course the federal government has also, for the first time in a decade, we've got a new federal government, and they're making um, you know better noises, and sure. there's a little bit of more money in there. However, but they're but but still. I can see someone is is um, is uh, laughing contemptuously. <laughs> so I'm going to invite that person to <laughs> perhaps make a comment.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, can we get the yes. mic?
1: So, uh, um, the mic over you, there and I can see that we're going to be provoked which is good That's before good um, before you get
2: into it um, yeah. I, I do I do think it's worth noting that the the number of you know housing the like the, the there's a clear number of how many houses are needed it's thousands and thousands right hundreds of thousands there's a huge shortfall and there's a huge waiting list um, and that number has been around for a long time um, since before the federal government came in and since uh you know uh, long since uh, we've had a labor government in uh, Victoria and they still have not met even uh, close to a fraction of that number. So that is a real problem. But anyway.
1: That's right. We we continue to speak um, alongside other organizations calling for for change. We believe there should be at least um, uh, 6,000 social housing uh, commitment for the next 10 years to meet need. Um, So
0: if you could... Hey, um, can I come up on stage with you guys? Is that all right?
1: Uh, No, if you could stay where you are. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Um, if you could share your name.
0: Yeah, uh, my name's Jack. Uh, I go by she or they. Um, yeah, I was giggling a little bit um, <laughs> when you mentioned the new uh, you know, government that's in. Um, because sadly, I really don't think a new government in the same positions of power is going to tackle uh, the housing crisis. Um, in any way that is actually meaningful. Building more houses, I mean, it sounds nice, right? Like it's like we've got all of this struggle to find affordable rent. I mean, I've been renting for three years now. I have a a very fun anecdote to share about that. Um,
1: And please share. (laughs) Yeah, I I
0: would definitely will. Um, But there's more vacant houses than there are homeless people in Australia. We don't need more houses. We need a system that doesn't allow landlords that have money, they were born into it. Maybe they invested in oil or something fun like that to go and buy houses and then use them as investment properties. Yeah. This isn't an investment; it's yeah. a home for I people agree. to live in.
2: I, I think you, I think you're spot on. And like uh, the the key problem is landlordism, right? Like the, exactly. the, this idea that we, um, you know, are empowering uh, people to be landlords through, um, you know, tax breaks that renters don't have access to, and you know, um, I guess like a this sort of uh, the the primacy of property rights, right? Um, and if you own a property, you're entitled to do whatever you want with it. Um, you're, that That is a good point. You know, there are more empty houses than there are um, homeless people. Um, but uh, the political uh, solution to that is, uh, you know, uh, requisitioning the houses and, and turning them into public housing, which would be well, great, but is politically unthinkable, unfortunately, it's, which it's
1: is very disappointing. It's important to acknowledge. I think that we're living in a particular system. Um, I acknowledge your total point. Housing is a human right. And, um, you know, there there are massive power imbalances, uh, but we're, you know, I think we. It's, I think the broader point is that we need to recognise housing as an essential service. It is seen as a means um, for. It, I, I think that that isn't properly realised. An idea of a house as an essential services. Yep. That said, and I r- represent a tenants' organisations. We want. I mean, you know, as I said, 90% of people live in the pr- private rental market. So we do need. You know, within the constraints of our system, we do need good private landlords. Um, We're not relying on their beneficence. We need these landlords uh, to honour legal commitments and and meet uh, legal obligations. So, um, look, um, I appreciate the point you're making. Please continue. Yeah, (laughs) i can hear your
0: anecdote as well. Sure. I mean... I'd first like to mention that that, that system's got a name, right? Yep. It's, it's capitalism. That's we, right. We, we don't need to shy away from it. <laughs> oh, um, yes,
1: absolutely. Um, I think it, we all acknowledge we live in a capitalist system. Mm. Absolutely.
0: And yeah. that system allows for the housing crisis, the cost of living crisis? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: It's a, it's a neoliberal system. Even in a, yeah, even a Keynesian system would be a lot more, um, you know, a lot more kind to uh, renters and, and, you know, also just people who are poorer because there'd be more money available for us. Um, but the, the neoliberal consensus has effectively robbed us all of, um, you know, the ability to even argue for, um, you know, the reduction of property rights in in, in cases to uh, reduce the effect of landlordism. sorry, I interrupted
0: you again.
1: Yes. So you said you had an anecdote about your own renting um, situation. What, what what happened to you?
0: Yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of talk about power imbalance, um, and I have a yeah super pertinent anecdote about that. I lived in a share house last year um, in North Melbourne. Um, cute place, a little dingy, um, but the rent was cheap enough with like five of us living in a four-bedroom place. Um, yeah. And <laughs> oh no! Um, I just I've I've been in a few share houses in North Melbourne. I'm like, I wonder if it's the same one. <laughs> <laughs> totally might be. Yeah. Um. But the, the property was interesting because there was a residential property, which is where we were living, um, all like students and young workers. And then attached to the back of it, there was like a cafe. And so the landlords originally had owned like both the cafe and the house, and they were they were living in the house and then were running the cafe. Um, and then you know the cafe went out of business, and they decided, oh, the best way for us to make money here is to commodify housing and make a bunch of other people pay rent. Um, and so the property manager, in all of their wisdom, decided that they could rent out the residential property separate to the cafe. So they could rent out like, with the house that we lived, and then they could lease like, the cafe and a separate business owner would work there. Um, but something they failed to consider is that if you have a, like a business, um, like a restaurant or a cafe, um, and you have employees working there, you need to have a bathroom for them to use. Um, oh, no. and, mm-hmm, oh, you can no. see where this is going <laughs> uh, The only bathroom was in the house And so they rented the house How to us How many bathrooms did the house have? Was it just the one? Um, there was two bathrooms oh, okay. yeah. um, But they rented the house to us And a couple months in We get this email And they're like Hey, um, we would like to renegotiate The terms of your lease um, The mm-hmm. landlords are losing money On their investment oh, You know, whoa It's very sad Yeah, it's really not um, your problem it's Exactly like, Yeah. And so we replied and we were like oh well that's a shame but we're pretty happy with the conditions of the lease we're not willing to negotiate <laughs> um and so they called us and um i'm 20 at the time i was 19 um and this uh property manager started blackmailing us he's oh. like you need to change the conditions of the lease he stuff well he first started to guilt trip us and try like, to like make us feel now, bad about like, it
2: what do you know about you
0: um, well, the way that he was blackmailing us was saying, hey, if you don't comply, if you don't change the conditions of the lease, if you don't sign onto this, we're going to put you on a blacklist. You're never oh. going to be able to rent again. Oh yeah. That's classic. Yes. Um, he was there. He was like, yeah. So he... when
2: was this? It was last year?
0: It was last year. Okay. okay. Yeah.
2: So there are legal protections against that. Um, mm-hmm. they, they do need to notify you if they're going to put you on a blacklist and they also need to tell you what it is and you have the opportunity to dispute it. However, you have to do that in VCAT and it is, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, we heard from Kelly no, is a very um, time consuming. Are you still in consumer. that property? no
1: no actually.
0: okay um we, we got evicted yeah yes. uh, yeah sorry i think you were getting there is that
2: right
1: yeah 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 yep.
0: yeah, yeah well what ended up happening um is we, we just stood our ground we were like no no we're not going to do this i mean it's ridiculous um and we yeah we stood our ground i got in touch with the uh, tenants union um and they were very helpful in letting me know about our rights Um, and yeah, we stood our ground and that property manager ended up getting fired from the property. Oh, Um, like
2: from the property or just from
0: the, the agency? No, not from the agency. Uh, Still works for the agency. So, you know, ready to make the same mistakes again, I guess. (laughs) but yeah, and we were evicted at the end of the lease um, and half of us were able to, um, half of the share house have been able to find another uh, renting situation. So I guess they didn't put us on a blacklist and it was just a threat. <laughs> no, so um, you would have been notified if
2: they yeah. had. But, that's right. Um,
1: there are, you know, you know, obviously there are regulations. I and mean, the, that's the, new. The issue is... Um, are people's awareness of those regulations yeah. and ability to enforce those regulations, which is where organisations like Tenants Victoria and other organisations are really important in supporting yeah. renters.
2: Just on the um, on the blacklist before we move on, I actually was just reading a VCAT decision about um, uh, an agency in northeastern uh, Melbourne that put uh, two tenants on a blacklist because they uh, I think they couldn't pay rent and they had to leave and they also left the house in a bit of a mess so they put them on a tenancy blacklist and it prevented them from getting uh, any new houses and the VCAT uh, ordered Equifax to strike the the um, the, uh, the tenancy blacklist listing um, from the records because the reason they hadn't cleaned and paid the rent was because they were both elderly one of them was uh, like like badly disabled and they like refused to like they they, they just couldn't do it they were, they were in a situation where they couldn't do it and then they were made homeless because they couldn't find anywhere to live after that because of the yeah because of the because of this blacklist and um, VCAT is actually to its credit even though it is very clogged up and taking a long time to deal with things um, there are a lot more um, wins for tenants than there have been in the past but um, it is genuinely horrific like the sort of things that can get you blacklisted and it is punitive because if you make the landlord's life difficult or you make the uh the uh, property manager's life difficult they all turn around and then you know make make you uh homeless for an extended period of time effectively but they don't
1: see that i I think you know the behavior of land of real estate agents has been an issue you know right through the story of renting um does anyone want to talk about uh uh, has anyone got a story about a, a, a real estate agent they wish to share? Um, thank you for yours.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate yes. it. Yes, And thank you're you. right. Thank you for, you know, pointing it out. That it is yes. capitalism is the problem, is, is a very big
1: issue of it. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, does anyone have a story? Yes, over there. Thank you.
4: Yeah, good afternoon. Um, Margaret is my name.
1: Um, I if think- you can hold the... Microphone. I'm I'm falling victim sure. to not holding it close to myself yeah, as just well. Just right up to
2: your mouth, Margaret. Like, <laughs> <that>. <laughs> perfect.
4: Um, I was recruited to work here about 20 years ago, so I brought my family out. Um, we had to rent for quite a long time, but before we came out here, we had this idea of um, the homes would be really bright. They would be modern. There would be modern kitchens. They'd be nice, big spaces. Then we realised, okay, we're on a certain budget. And we went to a few viewings, and we were just speechless because the standard was much lower than UK and Ireland. Um, The kitchens were from the 1950s. They hadn't been changed.
2: Some of them still are.
4: (laughs) And I said to my husband... All I need is the drinks trolley and the apron and I feel like I'm back in the 1950s. <laughs> I just I just could not believe that the standards that are not brought up and it's all favouring investors and okay, there's some people that just buy and they want to have, um, they want to use it to let out so that other people can rent and avail of it. But I'm just surprised that people who buy houses, I've bought houses, I don't mind maintaining them because I can offset that. And it's keeping, up the, it's keeping up the decor, it's keeping up the structure. So it's really puzzling to me why a lot of owners just won't put the money into their property.
1: Well, um, you make... Can I just... When were you last renting? Um, you said you'd rented for a large proportion of time. Well, up until recently. Up until recently. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, in 2021, minimum standards came mm-hmm. in, uh, which means... They're pretty minimum standards, I might add. Yeah, it's something uh, you know, like
2: it's having a stove a that working, works, a, a, a working
1: toilet, yeah, a it's stove, a that kind of thing. I don't um, think
2: you, there's anything about mold either, is there?
1: Well, yes, we need to. We're working on the mold <laughs> issue, but um, no, there's no doubt. There's been, you know, there is that power imbalance is reflected also in, um, you know, in the provision of. I mean, one of our biggest issues is repairs. We, you know, or delays in repairs. Um, obviously, COVID has created some issues there, but, um, but, you know, it is one of the biggest complaints that we receive at Tenants Victoria. So I acknowledge your point. Um, now, people are talking about that mum and dad investor has al- always been sort of, who is the landlord, has been sort of inflated in popular culture as a sacred figure, but actually... Um, I think that we need to strip down that mum and dad out of um, the investor and landlord. Landlords, as just as tenants uh, have, have responsibilities and it's important that, um, you know... That we we see that reflected in in, in the property you know in in rentals and now there's a push for superannuation funds and you know people might have opinions about that um, being able to take on uh, landlord roles and have large stock of um, uh, properties because that might mean that you know standards improve. That's a debate that's going on now um, around whether superannuation funds can provide um, uh, part of the solution. Obviously, there's no one solution to the housing crisis, is there? <laughs> there isn't.
2: Well, okay. <laughs> if we, if we built enough public housing or had enough public housing that everyone could find a place that they needed at the price they needed, that would be the perfect solution, yes. I think. But, but, again, but I mean, government. Politically I mean, unthinkable.
1: As someone mentioned, we're living in a capitalist system and mm. governments have made certain choices around what will happen so i think we you know call me the realist or the pragmatist or the boring one but um uh, short of a revolution we have to work within the system we have so i'm oh murphy the journalist <laughs> i think
2: um, this uh this fellow with the, the stripy shirt has had a question for a little while yes um david um
1: yes david um yes david did you want to talk david
5: Okay, now's as good as time as any. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks, David. Uh, can I undo a fallacy? Not all baby boomers are rich property tycoons. Yes, no, <laughs> that's, a, that's a really a good point. A um, I mean,
2: the, 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 yeah. the, there's like a lot of um, there's a lot of class to it as well. Sure, it's, uh, sure. They tend to have, have been able to yeah. benefit from uh, earlier economic conditions. Which, yeah. But yes, yeah. yeah.
5: No, that's just an aside. We all share different generations. Many of the same problems. Just listening to the other speakers so far, I'll try and just uh, fill in some gaps of maybe, what, some of the older people, some of our challenges. Uh, I'm generalising. Uh, not everybody with a bit of grey hair is the same as everybody else. Yeah, no worries. I think that's a very welcome yeah. contribution to the debate. Oh. Thank you, David. <laughs> uh, no, I've got a little bit more to say. Yep, um, I wear two hats. Uh, the last few years, I've been through the cycles uh, as a person in need myself. And after I got a little bit established, I've been able to donate my time and do some volunteer work to help people who are now coming through the systems. So uh, I have a little bit of credibility, not not everything. Uh, I lived through the whole uh, COVID era when we had lockdowns. So the good news about COVID era was things like couch surfing, they couldn't sort of throw you out because you didn't have anywhere to go.
2: Yep. <laughs> it was, became illegal finally. Well,
5: well, yeah, one of the few things about uh, COVID era. Um, that, so, but you, you outstay your welcome, even your best friends. So then you graduate to uh, house sharing, share houses, whatever you want to call them, rooming places. And, uh, and you faced that, did you, David? Yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, yeah and rooming are,
2: places, are, they're awful, generally. Like, they're yeah. poorly regulated and they, they the conditions are always pretty yeah. poor. I,
5: I've got to be honest, some are better than others. You know, I've heard all the stories and one guy I live with had been in about 20 share houses in 16 years. Some of the stories, uh, no, I do believe them, but... I think I w- lucked out where I was in Altona. Well, it was a little bit better than maybe the worst case scenario, but I still faced some of the same issues. You don't have any control over the other people sharing the house. They're not all as neat and tidy as you as an individual. or well, you think you are anyway, yeah. N- now I focus, and then, then I really lucked out uh, with the help of people like Tenants Victoria, CoHealth. I lucked out and I got into more regular rental situations. So I'm one of the lucky ones. So I can't, uh, I'm very, very happy about that part. Now I wear a hat of helping other people out uh, and having had my own experiences, looking at my uh, generation, we we have some unique challenges. Uh, One of them is, let's it's either pride or self-esteem or whatever, you don't realise, even though you've been told for many, many years, how quickly your circumstances can change you're only a couple of steps away from being in a relatively comfortable uh, position and your whole world changes. It can be relationship breakdowns, medical problems, domestic violence, uh, financial, whether it be losing your job, bad investments, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden your whole world changes and you think, oh, I didn't expect to be here. Uh, So that's the first thing people have to come to grips with. And as you get older, it just seems a little bit harder. Uh, But you have to face up to that then you soon realise, hey, it's not all bad in a place like Victoria and a place like Australia, there is a lot of stuff out there that actually helps you. But the general community doesn't necessarily know that. And even in my volunteer work, I'm still learning, the speakers just before this, I learnt about another three or four organisations I didn't know they existed.
2: Yeah, there's so many. And they're they're so disparate and they they all, like, uh, do Well, meanwhile, they all do
5: good stuff. They all lack funding. Uh, You know, there's a common element. Yeah. Yep. Um, so one of the things is how do we get the message out to all age groups, and then the tax heavy, uh, the uh, the grey haired people were not all nomads. <laughs> uh you know we have some common attributes. Yeah. Uh we're not all techs, tech tech savvy, see I can't yeah, even say. Well, that's yeah. That's
2: actually a really good point that you you're raising because um a lot of the uh, rental applications nowadays are all digital and all if online. you if you don't yeah. have a phone or you don't yes. know how to use a computer very well, you're kind of buggered. Like that's yeah. it. Like you you just don't really have anything you can do and that's the right. agents they uh yeah. in no way they have absolutely no <laughs> desire to help you. Yeah. You know because then they can just pick some young it's buck who, who actually knows how to yeah. use it. Exactly. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. So there are just a few little unique issues: uh, not being tech savvy, you know, being able to use the phone, a bit of pride, and all that sort of stuff. But also just lack of knowledge, knowing that how much good stuff is out there. Oh, sorry, another and again, I'm generalising. Apologies to anybody who grey here in the audience. We're not always patient, so you know, waiting an hour on the phone. I'm to not talk very to patient somebody, either,
2: so that's all right.
5: Yeah, waiting it's an hour just on the hair phone,
2: people.
5: <laughs> on the speakerphone for an hour. Yeah, it doesn't always sit well with all of us, but maybe that's not just our generation. So uh, my, only, my only advice to anybody of any age is you've got to be incredibly patient. We've got to be grateful that there's systems out there. We may not know who they all are, but you've got to be not too proud to reach out and, and you've just got to have the patience of a saint because, you know, uh, funding is such a huge issue. Everybody's trying to do the right thing, but you may have to ring 10 people to find a rental property. Uh, There isn't a magic wand.
2: Um, no um, If it, there
5: is uh, let me know on the way out to well, later, The, the so. question yeah, you death.
2: raised about like um, how, do, how do more people find out about the services yeah. that are available yeah. I mean that's a really good question um, yeah. There's like a, a big problem with um, you know getting people to pay attention to, to media you know be it yeah. like um, you know like even if it was on the 6 o'clock news every night less yeah, and less people are watching not the, the 6 o'clock yeah. news so <laughs> it's like it's, it's harder and harder mm. to actually get the mm. word out and um, mm. even then I'm not sure um, there are very many uh, organisations who have the capacity to help as well they're all really stretched no
1: and one
5: organisation can do it that's uh, right yeah. David
1: thank you so much for sharing your insight I think it's a really important point thank to make take time everybody that's enjoy right. the rest of a beautiful
5: <laughs> day while it lasts
1: that, that's beautiful that, that generation rent is not necessarily a, 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 an age demographic it, it's actually a collective experience of a group of people um, uh, who you know don't have access to the same resources or access and, and resources can also mean information information is power um, which I think you made that point very potently. So, I really appreciate that. And I think you're quite right. There are, you know, we're not, you know, whilst we're in a rental crisis, there are services that can assist. We need more support for those services, but there is an ecosystem and, you know, it, there is, that is, in a sense, a, a silver lining. But when we're in crisis, when individuals are in crisis um, it, and they can't get the help, Th- that's a major issue. And I think the other point you made, that a feeling of, um, you know, that poverty or hardship can be just a few pair packets away or a, or a bad luck episode away is a really resonant one. Because what we're seeing at Tenants Victoria, which I think is an important point, is that the rental affordability crisis is touching people in work. People, you know, that in, once upon a time wouldn't, the people wouldn't have assumed. That, that if you have a job uh, and an in- and regular income and you you've had a, a long history as a renter that you can't ac- access support services, um, but actually um, you know. There's a problem, and you, you know this is a new demographic that's creeping in, um, and so we're very aware at Tenants Victoria about this issue yep. that yep. it's not just people um, that have you know uh, traditionally faced hardship, and of course they have to be a priority. Those on Centrelink, etc. You know we we know all know about the public housing waiting lists and such. Uh, Murphy, the
2: journalist. Yep. Um, uh, we, um, don't worry about keeping your hands up. I've I've noticed. Uh, you're you're yep. next, and then uh, orange shirt after.
6: Am I next? Am I? Am I good to go? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Hi. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for organising this. It's so important. And um, I I came today to lend my support because I'm I'm working on a manuscript uh, about the contemporary housing crisis, which, of course, afflicts uh, many regions of the, I guess, the OECD countries, particularly. Uh, uh, And I grew up in social housing and uh, happy to see a fellow countrywoman here as well. Uh, Welcome, Margaret. (laughs) Um, I grew up in social housing and it was hard. We were a single-parent family uh, in Catholic Ireland and we were effectively shunned. Uh, and the thing that saved my small family from being broken up altogether was available housing charged on a sliding scale. Not everyone can afford to buy a home. Sorry, I did make notes, by the way. I just, you know. Um, not everyone can afford to buy a home. It doesn't suit everyone to do this. Uh, but we have all been raised in this orthodoxy of leaseholds, uh, freeholds, and price signals. Uh, we've been told this over and over again that this is the pathway uh, that you should take. And if you didn't make it, you you have failed. Um, but not all work that is valuable is well compensated and we know this and um, particularly for older women caring for relatives uh, uh, and no one would argue that this is not vital work but many would argue that she has to take what she can get under a market system that does exclude her um, this is the fastest growing homeless uh, cohort as you as you will know. Uh, in the country, Um, but that's what inflation and the value of the the housing supply has gifted us. It exaggerates existing inequities for anyone on the wrong side of a bifurcated labour force. Uh, The market functions well, (laughs) that's the irony of it, through its price signalling mechanisms, but when you have a loan book the size of Australia's property lending portfolio, you'd better keep those prices up. Uh, And we have issues of new supply, uh, we all know about those, but the housing crisis is, if you like, accidentally about housing. Uh, a major factor driving the landlordism of today is the treatment of housing as an asset class in the global economy. That may not mean much to investor landlords, but it means an awful lot to the financial institutions whose monomaniacal focus is on 3% compound growth in shareholdings every Three months. (laughs) That's what they're there to do. Uh, Schemes around the edges like Victoria's big build, while offering the potential to scale up, don't challenge this basic structural problem. And it is not a new problem. Uh, It's a colonial project in different clothes. The American economist, Henry George, writing in Progress and Poverty in the 19th century, advised the Irish landleaguers on their rent strike actions for many of the same processes taking place then. The word boycott derives from a landlord's agent Uh, uh, who was shunned by a town after he undertook a particularly brutal eviction. Uh, So, you know, these concepts are built into the language, they're very old. Uh, So I would encourage everyone here to think differently about the problem of affordable housing. The, The abuse of this need, of this common good by the financial services sector, it's inflation which compromises governments reliant on stamp duty, which has saved the Victorian government in the recent past from recession. Uh, The unfair system of housing allocation is costing lives, giving women nowhere to flee, and creating an indentured and indebted workforce. It doesn't have to be this way, but we should understand that it is a fight, and we must win, or we continue to drift and see the consequences uh, uh, all around us. And look, I'll finish on this yes, uh, with, thank a you. <laughs> finish I, with a I'm quote. I'll
1: just finish with a quote. I'm enjoying your speech. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, actually, I really, you're, you're I'm right. On, like I'm the, wondering whether you have any particular insights about your own experiences of uh, renting yeah. that you wish to share. Have, are you renting?
6: Yeah, I'm renting. I mean, I've been moved on because they were knocking the house down. I've been moved on because the back of the house was falling down. Like these were two different properties. Classic. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I've dealt with landlords individually, you know, who were bigoted and, you know, uh, invented charges and threatened to call immigration. And I was like, well, that would be nice, but I'm already a citizen. Sorry. Um, so, you know, yeah, classic, uh, just yeah. just crazy stuff. I the, mean, there's this, a bit of
2: that actually in, um, during the, the plague. I Sorry, <laughs> during the, the pandemic, the um the, plague. the, the lockdowns. Sorry, yeah. I call it the plague. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. But there, there was a bit of that. Like I did actually um, hear of a few stories when I was writing about um, renting in 2020 um, of people who were in a situation where like they had the landlord threatened to call immigration on them. International students, like yeah. young people, uh, because they, you know, they were exercising their new rights. We so. should
6: not have a neo-feudal, asymmetric no, relationship no, between people. You're, you're exactly people. right. Yep. and they are not the best. They're not bringing out the best in them. These relationships. Yep.
1: Thank yeah. you. Thank you for your comment. Um, can I just um, just make the comment again? And I'm 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 noting the political critique, and I, you know, that's an important part of the discussion. But let's also be pragmatic. We are living in, uh, uh, you know, a particular system, and uh, we have to work within that system. Uh, I mean, I just want to acknowledge the, the actual ground reality of that. And I'm, um, and um, I'm, uh, in, I'm looking for a couple of w- any women to comment because I've heard from a lot of men. Um, are there? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, ca- I'll call on you in a moment. Thank you. Um, so, is there somebody um, here who would? Um, is there, is there a woman who would like to speak? Is, is, is there a particular insight from, um, K- Kelly, you're a renter, aren't you? <laughs> I will call on you um, in a moment. But, Kelly, um, just to shift the tone of the debate a little, um, can I just ask, you've been a long-term renter here in Melbourne. Um, what... Are there any good things about being a renter? I I know I'm I'm putting in I I I'm, I'm really leaving the d- d- discussion, but I mean, what are some of the positives, you know, in terms of neighborliness? Have you have you been able to sort of, you know, during the covid, et cetera, form any relationships? W- what happens to our relationships when we're a renter in terms of the people around us? Is there any, you know, and you can you can be as uh, you know, you can dismiss my question, but I I think it's it's worth Sampling that issue in this discussion, I think
7: it's it's um, it's a game of roulette with uh, with landlords and real estate agents. Um, you sometimes get lucky. You sometimes get someone who realizes uh, you're also a human and is empathetic to your needs, um, and then you 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 sometimes don't. And it's it's a such a different experience as a renter between those two situations. Um, and. And the the issue is that that can happen that there is such a, a massive difference uh, based on you know who you get on the day and what mood you get on the day when you decide to write an email uh, about a repair and and how you're represented by the real estate agent themselves uh, and that and that can cause so much anxiety as a renter um, just writing an email and not knowing uh, if that email is going to land. Uh, in the inbox of uh, an agent or a landlord who's having a bad day, and that could be, you know, the risk. Uh, it's it's such a it's such a risk. Uh, you know, you can know your rights. You can you can know um, where you stand as a renter, but you're always kind of having conversations with yourself about what to raise. Uh, I just moved into a new place, and there were several things broken. Um, not dire like half of my stove works and uh that was uh, (laughs) a breach of minimum standard (laughs) (laughs) um half of my stove works and you know my I had a shower head but it wasn't attached uh you know so you know amazing what packing tape can do but you find you find yourself in situations constantly as a renter where you you have to you have to decide whether you want to make the risk that day and write that email and you be uh, the, the anxiety about writing emails when you're writing to real estate agents uh, and landlords is very real. So it, it's, I don't, in my opinion, it shouldn't be uh, such a roulette uh, in regards to landlords uh, and agents. You should be able to go into the system with more confidence uh, and not just be kind of living on a whim of someone's uh, bad day uh, and that be the risk of of having a roof over your head. And so that's, yeah, that's where I find anxiety. You know, if you have a good... Winter, I always find that I always try to, to be there when um, when there are inspections, just to show them that I'm a living, breathing human uh, who lives in their, in their investment property. But it's hard. You sometimes do feel uh, like... Lack an income, and that's it.
2: So yeah, that's um, it's very key. I think is that um, this idea of the the mum and dad landlord and um, and that sort of thing is that um, something that we know is that most rental properties are negatively geared, right? So uh, most people are losing money. So in practice, that means that if they are um. You know someone who doesn't have a lot of money and it's just their second property good that they they've been told that they're going to get you know capital growth and rah 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 and they'll be able to you know there's a wealth creation vehicle for them um if they're losing money on that day today they're not going to have the money for repairs or anything like that and um it becomes like this big emotional issue where you're you know impeding on their lifestyle or they perceive it as that but the reality is if they can't afford a rental they should not be um should not be holding it
1: absolutely um can i just ask jim just just to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, your coverage of rental issues. Um, What... Do you feel, as a journalist in a mainstream newsroom, because Jim now works at The Age and he's worked at a number of other publications, do you feel that um, renting issues are getting the priority and attention, at least, of the media? Not a yeah. day goes by without a dramatic headline about renting, but is yeah. that converting into uh, political uh, action or no, no. policy action? No.
2: Uh, I've been writing about it for for how long now? Um, approaching five years renting, um, you, know, you know, like property. Um, and these issues have been swirling around for the, that same period of time, um, and now we're in a crisis. It's very like um, it's very front of mind for for journalists, um, and you know I think it becomes obvious for um, for journalists in that sort of in that. That situation when, when it's a crisis right but we've been on the brink of a crisis and, and, and renters have been dealing with this for a long time so um, I don't want to sound too cynical or sort of jaded but unfortunately um, you know we have had the solutions available to us for like quite some time at least even tinkering at the edges to produce better outcomes for, for both uh, people who want to buy a home and people who need to rent a home by dismantling negative gearing and uh, the capital gains discount um, but unfortunately that is Indefinitely shelved because um, Bill Shorten lost the 2019 election, um, and and because of that, like uh, you know, I, I feel like the the potential for change is low, and um, there is also less momentum at the moment going into this crisis because uh, most of the states um, on the eastern um, the eastern side of the country had already updated all their rental laws uh, before this even came into to effects, and so now when we need real relief and and, and quickly, um, there's no there's not a lot of political will to do much. Except to be fair, in New South Wales, where it is an election issue but they're just offering tinkering at the edges and none of the systemic change that needs to happen to make private landlordism even uh thinkable
1: well um, i repeat again and i'm not your critique of private lawn, landlordism but we you know for immediate relief we're in a situation where 90 percent of us live in private rental accommodation with the private yep. landlords i like more so money we would have be good. We, whilst we have to adjust the system yep. um we're living in the system so we need immediate relief so can I just add that Tenants Victoria has put forward a proposal to government um, uh, about um, uh, what we call a fairness formula. Here in Victoria um, whilst there are rules about you know rent increases, there are no rules about uh, the amount of the rent increase and we've been hearing last night I was at dinner, somebody a young person who was working part time had a rent increase of $400 uh, a month and was contemplating selling her car to be able to fund her rent increase. So that means her mobility and ability to get, um, you know, get to jobs, et cetera, is, is impacted. And, and that was, uh, you know, that, that was a very real crisis for one person. So at Tenants Victoria, we're proposing um, that there should be a, a formula to limit the um, amount of rent increases. This has been trialled in ACT um, and, you know, there's some interest you know, we, we can, you know, from government around this idea, we're very strongly supportive of it. And um, um, I, I, I see someone is very anxious to ask his question, so um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll take the we'll take the ca- we'll take the um, mic to you. Um, if you could, if you could say your name.
8: Uh, my name is Paul. Um, Hi, Paul. And uh, I'm glad the uh, Irishman over there spoke as he did because I think... Hey, Paul,
2: yeah. can you um, just put it right up against the mask so we can hear you? Uh, yes. Yeah,
1: we can't hear you oh, very okay.
8: well. OK, OK, is that better? And if
1: That's you could talk better. slower.
8: Thank you. All right, I'll talk slower. Um, <laughs> um, I think, yes, of course, we are all having to deal with a system. And, uh, but it is a system that is manifestly um, making life extremely difficult for a lot of people, And I think that it's very important that we identify what the systemic issues are and that we work to change systems. And it's not just politicians in Parliament who uh, are the ones we have to deal with. We have to, to some degree, organise ourselves. And
1: And this is an attempt to do something, have an open forum. Yes. Yeah.
8: And I think, um, look, when we've gotten to a situation where the best that can be offered by the powers that be is tinkering around the edges, we have a problem. And I think it's no um, coincidence that many of the politicians in our governments and in Parliament... Um, uh, um, own x number of, of investment properties themselves and have a clear conflict of interests. This is what we mean by neoliberalism. It is the orthodoxy of the day. Look, if we discuss neoliberalism and what it is doing to the, what it has done to the planet and I'm not saying it has been totally bad, but it has been more bad than good um, and we start to identify the issues, educate ourselves and each other, and then we, we start becoming more assertive as people who um, you know, who are being basically screwed over yep. by this system. I think so, um,
2: that's a very good point to make, and I think that yep. um, uh, if I can just make a broader political... So, I don't think we should
8: be silent.
2: No, no, I, no, I agree. And, and, and I no
8: one's
1: asking if, us to, be, to can, be silent. I mean, in a sense... Um, Having an open forum for renters uh, is you know is our small attempt to kind of empower you know renters because we want renters to come out of those online forums yes. and um, in into real life yes. to art, you know to have names and faces to articulate some of the issues we're not hearing any uh, warm and fuzzy stories today that's indicative of the problem isn't it <laughs> yes, but, um, exactly uh, before move on which I um, which I think is actually a pertinent point um and actually um you know In a sense, when we were contemplating this discussion, we were wondering whether there might be some cultural sort of contributions that people might have about renting. But when we're in an economic crisis that many renters face, I think those cultural issues go out the door. You know, um, the shared cup of coffee with your uh, co-tenant has no meaning when you can't afford to pay the rent and you're um, selling your car to be able to afford a rent rise. I mean, that's the dark reality but of has brought it's people
8: here. Em- empowering Sorry. ourselves and yes. others to stand up in a very asymmetrical situation now, as it is. And, and we, we all should treat each other with dignity and respect. And this is what I hear from the stories, that so many people are not treated with dignity and respect. And, in fact, the system, as it is, favours that kind of behaviour. So we have to open the debate and we have to hear more voices and more more informed and asserted voices to because it's a basic fundamental need human need to have shelter and to have security of shelter and th- th-
1: thank you thank for, you um, i just Before, want to say and you're right. Before, when um, we put
8: up a, a little um, uh,
1: uh, a banner that housing is a human right i think that that, that you know that's not just a truism or a, just a little assertion that actually should underlie, you know, the whole discussion. And um, I, I thank you for your contribution yeah, and you your Paul. wisdom.
2: And you're right, and that is, this <laughs> is a key, a key reason why we're being failed by politicians and, and the media in some senses is because that there is no actual discussion about the, the, how this system affects us and um, there is no option to opt out of it or to vote out of it. And, and then that is disappointing and we are being, um, we are being let down there. Um, who's our next question?
1: Yeah, um, I think Gabrielle over there from the Greens um, wants to uh, make a comment, though we we don't want to make this a political (laughs) session.
2: Everything is political. No, absolutely
9: (laughs) not. I'm not here to hijack the session at all. Um, I'm here to listen. I'm Gabrielle, I'm the member for Richmond, um, and I'm the Greens spokesperson for renting in the Victorian Parliament. Um, And I just wanted to, you know, like I know there's a lot of. Disdain for politicians, and obviously the situation is very much geared towards property investors. Renters are often left out of the picture, but there are people who listen, um, and we recognise that we need a renting revolution. We recognise we need rent controls, we need um, you know an end to rental bidding, we need short stay regulation, all of these things, and. Um, like I'm here to listen, and I'd would love for 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 you to get in touch with me because it's my top priority to make change for renters in this term. And um, you know, like associations like Tenants Victoria are incredible for pushing pushing to for you to get your rights. But we absolutely need systemic change as well, and that's what. You know that's my business in Parliament, so um, please Thanks. do get in touch.
1: Thank you, Gabrielle, and thank you for joining us today on your on the Labor Day weekend. We appreciate it. Um, can I just? Um, I think you had you had a comment or a question. Thank you. And if you could say your name. Yes. Um, thank you.
10: My uh, My name is Hans. Um, I have a comment about lease. Terms. Um, and I think from what I hear, there's a lot of people who say, I've rented for 10 years and I've lived in 10 or 11 different properties. And from my feeling, it's very difficult to have a long term rental, to live at the same place for three, five, or 10 years. And I have an example um, to share. I I consider myself very well informed of my tenant rights and my partner here will tell me I've memorised the entire Tenants Victoria website. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I have an example and I feel like the the, uh, rental provider and the agent, they were entirely within their rights. Uh, There was nothing wrong going on but still I felt like everything was against me where we started an agreement of one-year lease in um, December 20. 20? Yeah, December 2020. So in the and middle of the pandemic? Yes, yes. And it went for a year. And after that, we thought, we really like this place. We want to stay a bit longer. And so will you offer us another year's contract? And so the agent said, oh, we're very happy with you. We'll take it to the landlord. And the landlord said, we have no intention to kick you out, but we don't want to offer you a new contract. And we said, why? Can you give us a contract? We want some certainty. We feel like we've been good tenants. We... we have always paid rent. We've left the place in a good condition, but they won't give us another contract. And we pushed a lot, but they never gave us anything. And all they gave us was the agent said, look, I've talked to the landlord and they've told us that they have no intention to sell for the next few years. And so we thought that gave us a bit of certainty, Um, but then come November, 2021, um, the landlord gives us a notice to vacate they gave us 60 days, which is entirely within their rights. And it was a very awkward time for us because we were actually going to spend a month and a half out of the country, and so we were scrambling for the next two weeks to find a new place. Um, but did they, um,
2: did yep. you uh, attempt to negotiate
10: the, the move-out date at all? Yeah, we did, but they said that they weren't open to negotiating. And the thing is, I knew that... The, the original reason they gave for the notice of ACAT was that notice to vacate was that their landlord's daughter wanted to move into the property. And what we said was that, I looked on the website, you didn't give us the stat deck, you didn't give us evidence, you didn't give us the name of the person moving in, so your notice is not valid. And so they said, oh, sorry, sorry, that was the wrong reason. We're actually looking to sell the property. Oh. <laughs> and so we thought
2: yeah, it's classic. Look, something... And that's how they get around, um, They get around, uh, or they got around the moratorium on evictions that way during the, the pandemic as well. Um, the, uh, sorry, during the lockdowns and that sort of thing, when the moratorium was in effect, um, landlords would give uh, cause evictions or like, you know, evictions with, uh, you know, no fault, but they are entitled to do so um, to sort of you know skirt around this eviction moratorium. So Were you
1: seeing uh, that as a, yeah, as yeah, a reporter? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah.
10: yeah and to, to finish my story, so we moved out, We they gave us actually a notice to sell, so it, it seemed like everything was in order, and we moved out, uh, but the kicker was that because we had to pay rent for a month, but we only had to give 14 days um, notice that, that we that, wanted to at leave. At that time? Yes, at yes. that time. Yes, but we had given a month of rent, and so we moved out with a month of rent, that, uh, with a week of rent of rent that we had paid, bef- because we were moving out before that period that the rent was covering. And so we said, "We've overpaid rent. Can you give it back to us?" And they haven't responded. It's a few hundred dollars, and we still haven't gotten it. But I feel like I don't know what we can do in this situation. Because you can go to VCAT. We can not go to VCAT, <laughs> yeah, but it that, seems like it a lot though. of... yeah, well, Exactly, that's for that's 300 exactly. bucks, there's, yeah, it's, it's not ridiculous. Much, yeah. That's
1: right. Well, you know, something we've actually also canvassed at Tenants Victoria, VCAT was conceived as an easy process and would take the court sort of, you know system out of renting in a sense, it was going to be more accessible, but what, what we're proposing is perhaps um, there needs to be another uh, sort of uh, mechanism uh, for, um, you know, besides we VCAT, more informal still, um, mediation kind of um, uh, system outside of government and outside of the VCAT process to resolve smaller disputes. So that, you know, that's an idea that we've been developing as well. I note some of our um, some of the people in this room would would discuss that as merely tinkering with the system but um I, I I note um i I want to reiterate the point we want to work for some immediate you know obviously systemic change is you know is key um, and it, the and one of the important things is to reformulate the narrative around renting as an essential service a human right and not the commodification of renting, which is what we're seeing uh, you know. Which is reflected in some of the things that people have been talking about. Oh, I'm pleased to see a woman over there has um, has a question. Um, perhaps, yep. Yeah. And then then over to you. Yeah, because you've had your
11: less of a question, more of a statement. Yes. Let's hear it. Um, What's your I, name? Jane. Hey Jane. Um, I do want to say that the system does suck, and we do need to challenge the status quo. That's right. I also acknowledge that we do live in the system, and we also need to be working with that um, until we can actually get some. Things happening. Um, but I was just thinking about the area that I'm currently working in has 0% stock for housing for anyone on Centrelink.
2: Yes. Yep. Um, Huge and problem. Th-
11: and I think that while, yeah, we do have people that are coming um, with what do you call it jobs who can't get um, <laughs> rental properties. We shouldn't be discounting those who are on benefits because there's a variety of reasons that people are. It's all of our business that they can't get um, houses and often the houses that they can get are actually... um, outside of metropolitan areas with jobs.
2: Yes, that is a massive problem. Um, and it, it's it, it's huge, the, the fact that we, you know, like no one is really uh, tackling that effectively. And it can be frustrating if you're someone on Link or, um, you know, a DSP or whatever. Um, and, you know, you need to be in a place where you can actually access your services and, you know, get everything that you need in, to live your life and you can't find a house there. Um, and then you hear people talking about, like, you know, people with jobs and everything like that. Because um, there, there is this... Uh, you know when we're talking from a perspective of um you know most people having these conversations are privileged so then they they see it as like a um you know they see it as like a oh it could happen to me and it becomes more of a more of an issue there so it is frustrating i do acknowledge that
1: I think I think you make a really good point and a good and a really good reminder that we live in a society in which a neighbourliness needs to be a political neighbourliness as well, yep. and those who you know who have the least resources need to be best supported. Um, and um, we hear constantly of um, you know studies that uh, that you know that do snapshots of renting and find very little that's affordable to people on on um, Centrelink payments. And I, I think um, or even I hope nothing, no one. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. well. Sometimes it's like point zero yeah, zero. It'll be like four in, in a small um, town. Yeah, four, which, which, entire, which has like no houses. access to jobs because yep. the nexus between housing and jobs is huge. And um, you know, I think that's that's. Thank you for your um, important reminder. Did you, you have more to say? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's <that's> good. <going. laughs> um, I, I won't take too much time. But
11: um, i w- also working with uh, newly arrived migrants who obviously would like to settle in their diasporas. But because of the uh, price of housing for everyone along the board, um, everyone's being priced out. So there's a lot of gentrification in those areas that previously did have rental stock available to newly arrived uh, migrants, who some of them can't get Centrelink benefits either. Um, I think that I think we just need to acknowledge the privilege that also does come with yeah. the rental crisis and the people who are like most disadvantaged by rental uh what's the word for it rental histories streets. exactly yeah.
2: yeah um yeah it's a, another just a, a quick aside on that point of wanting to settle within diasporas um one of my colleagues wrote a very good story in maybe 2019 18 of someone uh, an african family in west footscray um or you know like areas where they you know there's african communities who the landlord refused to give them a property because they were black they just straight up were like, we don't want you in this property, um, and they left it open, and rather than putting someone they didn't want in their property in there. So, you know, things like that, that is also another issue that um, with the, the system that we have. Um,
1: in, in fact, Tenants Victoria did a project uh, around rental racism, uh, which we've just completed, and, um, you know, they what, what we detected was... That, that, has, that is clearly an issue. Yep. But people are very reluctant to raise it as an issue and the mechanisms for reporting that are limited. And, you know, it's that, it's that sort of, th- that circle, the vicious cycle. Um, if you report it, you, well, you're going to miss out on the property anyway and, you know, yeah. the practical thing that people are very focused on is getting that home. Um, can I just note, in the context of your comment, the census on um, uh, homelessness is coming out later this month, I think around the 20th or 22nd, something like that, which will give updated figures on the extent of homelessness in Australia, including Victoria. And it's really interesting to know that homeless is not just defined as not having a roof over your head. It includes um, couch surfing, because that's insecure housing, and people who might live in um, a rooming house. As you said, you had to resort to David, um, who also have insecure housing, and that's classified also in, as homelessness. So there's, and including, you know, people living in overcrowded housing. I think earlier someone had four bedrooms and five people were living in that house. So, you know, we're seeing homelessness is not just someone uh, with a backpack, um, you know walking in a park which is absolutely horrible but it's actually a range of different experiences Um, and I think that this data from the ABS uh, will will be very illuminating and I've been in a room where the Federal Minister for Housing and Homelessness has said um, it's predict herself predicting that that's going to increase so um, you know I think that will bring attention to the issues, not just of homelessness, but of insecure renting um, and the kind of different rent, uh, you know, homelessness and the rental crisis, they're part of a continuum, aren't they? I mean, where we're hearing of people missing out on housing and having to, you know, resort for a time to a tent at a friend's lawn or a a caravan-type arrangement, Um, all these stories, which are very unedifying in one of the richest countries in the world. Um, Thank you. Thanks, Jane. And if you could say your name as well.
12: Yeah, uh, let me just stand up real quick so people can see me. Uh, My name's Dover. Um, I've been in and out of the rental market for the past couple of years. Uh, Became homeless just before my 18th birthday, and that was about five years ago now. Um, Actually, next week is the five-year anniversary of me becoming homeless. And I actually struggled a lot with trying to find a place because a lot of real estate agents would look at my application and see that, oh, his uh, history, uh oh, lived with parents and no fixed address currently. Yeah. And so, because there's no history of me paying rent to anyone, then they just wanted nothing to do with me because, okay, yeah, I paid 10% of my money to my mother for Bond, because you know when I live in a working class family, it's always been working class. They just went, nah, that's not good enough. Like, or you might be making some money here and there as a laborer, but it's not consistent work. We don't want it. We don't want it. You're not getting enough from Centrelink for us to you know, really consider having you. So I ended up having to sublet from a friend's mother and, the, and that was through Centrelink housing. And Centrelink was fine with it up until my friend's mum died. and
1: So it was a public housing that you were yeah, subletting?
12: It, was, it wasn't so much public housing as it was a private rental that Centrelink owned. Oh, okay. So I when know, okay. people say public housing, they yeah. think, you know, the apartment blocks are all the way over in Richmond and Footscray and all those areas. Yep. This was... Like a townhouse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the it was Fewer Department of, of Housing. Department of Housing owned yeah. it. Yeah, okay, that, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's correct. They,
12: um, now they've all been Centrelink sold off. Centrelink doesn't as well. own
1: any housing. Of course, they make the payment, but I know what you're saying. The government. Yeah,
2: yeah and yeah. a lot of those now are sold off, and they, they are in the hands of private landlords, which is yeah. yeah. yeah.
12: Um, and what ended up happening when my friend's mum died is they actually did quite a few illegal things. Primarily, they came in and took out the fuse box. What? Yeah, the week after they found out that uh, the primary uh, renter had died, they took out the fuse box, so we'd leave to make it inhospitable. And I went through VCAT, and it got rushed through because of that situation. Um, And this was four years ago? This was four years ago, 2019. And
1: did you have any legal support to go through VCAT?
12: Yeah, we got quite a few uh, legal supports. There was a... I can't remember what they're called. There was a legal aid thing that we went through that were basically like they should not have done that that is incredibly illegal even the energy company helped with the legal fees oh wow um but our case ended up getting thrown out because we couldn't find the original rental document to prove that my friend was related like was the daughter of the primary renter so they wouldn't produce it um, they, didn't want it. they wanted us to produce it to show that we did have a connection. We weren't just squatting.
1: So, but, yeah. so, yeah. so where are you now?
12: Uh, currently, I've had to move to Geelong. I was actually getting to that part. Um, I ended up staying with my ex-fiance's family for a bit. Uh, then I found my own place in Kilsyth. And if anything know, anyone here knows anything about the eastern suburbs, is it's price to live has skyrocketed. For an area that's primarily manufacturing jobs, which I've always worked in, is manufacturing or construction, something known as the backbone of the Australian economy. Just, so they say. So they say, but they don't increase the you know pay rates, so you can't afford to live in Australia. Um, you know, these and suburbs just skyrocketed in price, and I ended up losing my job because I injured my cartilage a couple of years back. And I never let it heal. And it just grew and grew and grew until I had to take six months off work. And I was lucky because I informed my real estate agent that I needed to leave and I needed to vacate. And um, they talked to my landlord and my bond got given back to me basically instantly. I still had to pay for cleaning, but that was only a couple of hundred. So I didn't mind having to pay for that. But I was really lucky that everything was paid in full. But my whole thing is... I shouldn't have to leave city to live. Yep.
1: I think you make a very, very good point. Like, the, people
12: have this idea that, yeah, the system's screwed, but you know, hopefully there's a place cheaper. I was living in a very cheap property. It was one of the cheapest properties in the area, and as soon as I couldn't afford that, I had to leave to Geelong. Yep. I had to uphand my, old, my whole life. Most of my friends live in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, and now I live
2: on the other side of Port Phillip. Do you have a car? Can you drive? No. Yeah, so I, you, like, you're completely cut off
1: from I, your I'm, community. I'm, I'm com- Are you back at work now? Yeah, I'm back so at what, work. So, where is your work?
12: Uh, my work is in Geelong. Is in Geelong. Okay, but so you've it was also to- like unrelated to housing. That was a struggle to find, but that's to do with the job market rather than the housing market. But like, I don't have a car. I had a motorcycle, but that got stolen, and so li- I've always had to live close to work and when I was looking for houses, even before I had that issue, I broke up with my ex-fiancee and I was looking for a new place to stay because I can't live with her family. Like, why would you live with your ex's family? That is the, it's just awkward in every single way, but I couldn't find a single place close close enough to work because I've got no transport. I need to rely on public transport and my work hours were outside of public transport hours. Yep. I, was, I was extremely lucky I found that property yep. until, of course, you know, the medical reasons I had to leave. But we shouldn't l- have to live in a system where as soon as you have one med- medical injury and it takes you o- out of work, you need to leave yep. your city. You need yep. to leave your old life behind. We shouldn't have to live in that system. There was so much stuff we know we can do to fix that. It's not that, oh landlords have to have that much to survive, which yes, in certain situations they do. But if you can't afford, as you said before, if you can't afford to own a rental, you shouldn't own a rental. It's the same with operating a business because that's what you're doing. You are operating an investment. If the investment isn't making you money, Get rid of the investment.
2: Yep, that's right. And if you, if you lose your investment, then you make someone homeless or they have to move cities like you have had to do and they lose all their, their supports and their, their, their networks. And it's, it's tyranny. It's, it's cruel and it's awful.
1: That's very powerful storytelling. Um, and, and perhaps we could talk afterwards. Thank you so much for your contribution. Okay. I, think it, I think you made so many great points. And I thank you for coming all the way from Geelong to join this discussion yeah, really as well. It really it, man. powerful.
12: Thank you. Uh, thank you. It was a nightmare because of public transport, but that's another story.
1: <laughs> thank you. Look, we're nearly um, at the end, and I think we're going to have to wind up. Um, but I can see the you know there's been a lot of, lot of energy in this room. Um, I note there's no cultural warm stories about fuzzy landlords or Does that you tell know, you anything warm, warm relationships with pets. I wasn't expecting that. We're in the middle of a rental crisis and there's a lot of pain in the room and a lot of anger as well, but there's a lot of articulation of the problem. And I'm going to take these um, thoughts back to Tenants Victoria um, because I think it it just informs our advocacy. So thank you, everyone, for coming out on a Labor Day weekend under this beautiful structure. Um, uh, And, you know, maybe some of the, the... the kind of architectural thinking um, that informs this structure and these discussions can one day inform, uh, you know, real-life housing for everyone. Because housing is a human right, and um, you know, we have a major issue around affordability and supply. Thank you, also, Jim, That's for right. joining us. Thank you. And I had also, fun. I really your it. Um, your, um, your thoughts. Yeah. Um,
2: so I thank you everyone for who are, who's, who's here. Um, old mates moved away now. I'm not sure I can hear, but um, you know everyone who shared their thoughts and, and everything. It was actually really I really enjoyed it, and it was really nice to hear. Like um, yeah, you know the the it's like a warm feeling to that's right to to know that like um, that people care enough to come and share it. I think that's is, right. Is and there's important. a
1: solidarity, even not in, and, and small comfort in being in this room together. And um, and I just the variety of. Uh, contributions has been really um, valuable. Thank you everyone and thank you to M Pavilion for enabling this discussion because it's a little bit outside their normal um, kind of discussions uh, and um, you know a little bit of revolutionary talk in the room as well (laughs) always good, (laughs) always good thank you everyone and uh, we can continue our chat afterwards. Thank you
3: You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast Conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.